Hello and welcome to Talking Flutes Extra, the in-betweeny podcast sandwiched every other week between the Talking Flutes podcast hosted by flute professor, soloist, musician, author, mum of two and a genuinely lovely person, Claire Southworth. My name is Jean-Paul Wright and I am the host of the TF Extra Pods. As this is the first Talking Flukes Extra Pod of 2019, then I'd like to wish you all a very happy new year and hope that you've had a wonderful festive and new year period. Now, on the subject of new year, I was asked last week on our Instagram account, which is at TJ Flutes, what my new year's resolutions were. Now, I can see why people make resolutions and why to many they are a very good way of making meaningful life changes. So I'm really not going to say anything against somebody that has their own strategy. However, for me, I really never have subscribed to the 1st of January focus on change. If I need to make alterations in my focus or implement new goals, then I've always chosen a Monday in a brand new week to do it as this gives me 52 possible opportunities during the year to make a tweak in focus, study and change or alter my goals if required. Yeah, you could say it's a cop-out. 52 times of, or 52 chances of uh, making change, but why not? Now, that doesn't mean that I make new resolutions each week. However, what it does mean is that should I slip in focus or of undertaking some meaningful change that I'm trying to work on, then I simply press the inner pause button, choosing a forthcoming Monday to refocus on what I'm trying to achieve. And then I hit go when the day comes along. You see, I personally find that the use of the pause button gives you permission to have a resolution or change of focus wobble. And the wobble thing is quite important because if you're just working on a January the 1st resolution, should two, three, four, one month, two months, and then you have a wobble or you fall off the wagon, then in effect you've broken it. Having an inner focus wobble and having a date to reboot it, should you wish, personally enables me to assess if the resolution I've made is still valid in which case I continue on the following Monday morning or it also gives myself or it also gives me permission to discard that particular task I'm trying to choose or change and to decide on something else that I wish. I find that the use of the pause button gives you permission to have a resolution or change of focus wobble. Now having a resolution on the first of Now, I find the use of the pause button gives you permission to have a resolution or change of focus wobble. Choosing resolutions from the 1st of January to really transform your life in the coming year is great. And, you know, I will endorse that if it works for you. However, if you have a little wobble or you fall off the wagon after one, two, three weeks or one month or two months, then don't you find that your resolutions have failed? Doing it my way and having a date to reboot, should you wish, which will be the following Monday, enables you to assess if the resolution you've made is still valid, in which case you can continue on the following Monday morning, or to give yourself permission to discard it, and to choose something else you wish to change. So this is why I don't see one single day each year as an opportunity 
to implement change and new goals. Right, back to now. At the back end of last year, I recorded an interview with the flute player Philippe Barnes, which for those who are interested in Irish flute playing on a normal silver flute was very popular. So last Wednesday, I was invited back down to his lovely house in the county of Sussex in England to catch up and also to put some questions to him from listeners, which were sent in following the podcast. Philippe, we meet again. So doing? quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year to you, sir. I do. How did you spend your Christmas and New Year? Um, I spent a couple of days with family. My brother came over from France and um, then I was pretty quickly back to doing gigs. We had quite a lot going on between Christmas and New Year. Um, had a nice New Year's Eve. Was it all Irish stuff or was it Celtic stuff or was it to uh, do some... all Irish and Scottish stuff, yeah. Yeah. And a few Kayleys, a few a few other bits and pieces. Oh, of course, it's party season, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So you find the job offers come in quite a lot around this time? Yeah, Christmas is always busy. Um, January's quite busy. There's Burns Night on the 25th. Yeah. And then it's quite quiet until summer. Do you end up sort of trying to go back to uh, your roots and the classical? Getting classical gigs or...? Uh, I always like to try to keep a variety of stuff going. I sure. just did thing with the London Contemporary Orchestra at the Albert Hall. Um, it was a Prince Symphonic Tribute gig. Nice. Um, and that was really cool because we had five flutes in the orchestra. How, and what was the makeup? Five flutes? That's a big section. Three um, concert flutes, two altos. Mm. And that was a lot of fun. I used my uh, that TJ Flutes uh, alto that you lent me. Oh, that, the, the frosted gold one? Yeah. Thought it was a, quite appropriate for a Prince gig. <laughs> you should have taken one of the uh, Black Frosted. We've got yeah. one left. One no, left. Cool. We, actually, that would probably look quite cool. Have you seen the Black Frosted one? Uh, I've probably seen it on Instagram. Yeah. My feed's full of. Uh, yeah, I've got a thought. Yeah. Because it's got a slight tone. We've only got one left, but it'd be worth getting you have to have a honk on it, see what you reckon. Yeah, I'd love to try it. So, over the festive period, mm-hmm. um, I did a small podcast on the 24th. Yeah, went Christmas Eve. And telling people that I wasn't going to make a noise for a few weeks. In fact, the <laughs> truth is, I'm taking quite a long sabbatical. Yeah. Purely because I want to know how long it's going to take me to get my chops back from not playing okay. for a long period. Now, obviously, I don't earn my money playing the flute. Mm-hmm. If I did, I'd be quite paranoid about taking breaks. What's your view on that over the Christmas and festive season? I've sort of experimented with different things over the years. I actually had a cold for a week and didn't play at all. Um, and this morning I thought I'd better uh, just warm up a little in case you wanted me to play later. And the first few notes were, were pretty uh, awful. But I think it depends what you're playing, how kind of match fit you need to be. But I quite like taking breaks every now and again for like a week. Or if I go away on holiday... When I was younger, I'd always take my flute with me and always practice mm-hmm. every day on holiday. But nowadays, I'll tend to take a week off and just not play at all. And I think it's quite it's quite a good way to be objective about your playing. Because if you're playing something every day, you can start to really obsess over little details, yeah. over your tuning, and you know reinforce bad habits as well as um, creating good ones. So if, if you have a little break of it, you can come back and go... Do you know what? Actually, this sounds great. I've always said that it's if there's something that you're struggling with, you either need to practice more 
or take a break. Yeah, I, I get that. I'm one of these people that think a break is actually probably good, just to refresh the mind. There's a really good Paco de Lucia um, DVD. It's the flamenco guitarist, and he's talking about playing the um, Rodrigo guitar concerto and saying that when classical players play it, they try to make every note sound perfect, and it means that they mess up the rhythm. Yep. Whereas when he's playing it, he's just concentrating on the rhythm and it doesn't matter if some of the notes don't sound you know each individual one doesn't sound perfect because it's about the kind of the well, character of the piece you know? the rhythm isn't it um, and I think sometimes it's important to remember that actually every note not being perfect is sometimes what makes something sound good it's that kind of variety of oh we all love imperfection <laughs> I mean what is perfect yeah I, my, my only experience in Dublin, as I said in our last podcast years ago, it seems you sit down and you play. Mm-hmm. And there is no such thing as a mistake because you're just playing, you're just enjoying, you're, you're creating a dialogue, a story, you're getting involved in a narrative. So that's what I'm saying, what is a mistake? Mm-hmm. I mean, does perfection exist in Celtic music? I think it's probably the same as, as every other kind of music. It's like... You've just got different parameters, you know, like and I, I sort of never really thought about it like that. If I'm sitting down to play tunes, I'm just thinking about the tunes. You are. And <laughs> the story behind the tunes, aren't you? I mean we'll talk briefly about your C D yeah. again later, but it's just it seems to me a very different uh, as you say, it's uh, depends which genre you're in, each genre has its own markers for being exceptionally good and when a mistake is pretty mm. obvious. A lot of the my favourite recordings of um, traditional music. Oh, so it's a weird noise coming from the boiler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're actually Philippe's home again. So, uh... oh dear, that is weird. Well, hopefully that doesn't blow up. Um, yeah, I see a lot of my favourite recordings are quite old recordings, and they sound quite scrappy. Sure, but. The, um, the <laughs> I don't know if that you can hear that on the. I can, it's going through loud and clear. <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, I think it should stop in a sec. Um, <laughs> don't worry, I'm not going to cut this out. I actually think it's <laughs> it's very loud. Yeah, it's not. It's not my stomach rumbling. <laughs> it's getting. Loud. Well, the last time I I um, I got some croissants last time, didn't I? But I felt like with New Year's resolutions that I should, probably shouldn't force uh, pastries uh, on you. That, that, oh, he's thrown that one back. He looked at my size and said, <laughs> six weeks out after knee surgery and I've put a lot of weight on. Yeah, I'll hold my hands up. Ah, don't be silly. But I've got the coffee. So, Philippe, um, since we last met, I've had quite a few email questions, okay. which I would like to start the brand new year by throwing them at you. And it's... <laughs> The boiler's still talking to me. Right, from a Lucy Madden. She asks, what is the best way to start learning Irish flute music? Okay, well, first thing I'd say, start listening to lots of it. There's lots of good stuff on YouTube, Spotify. Maybe find a session near you, look look up... um, yeah, see if there's any Irish Google, sessions. What do you Google? There's a website called thesession.org, mm-hmm. and that has loads of tunes 
and um, it's got it's a huge kind of resource for searching for tunes, recordings, and um, sessions, and that's discussion board and things like that. Um, so if you can find a session near you to go to, um, there's a really good website, the Online Academy of Irish Music. Yeah, I think you mentioned that mentioned last that, time, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, um, they have some kind of online flute courses. I do Skype lessons for people all over the place, and of course my book would yes. be a good a good place to start. Yeah, that's in two questions down, so right. we'll, uh, we'll park that one for a second. <laughs> so it really is getting onto Google... Or, or another search engine. And, yeah, um, I think there's a lot of resources out there. It just can be daunting to kind of know where to start and what's yeah. what's good to listen to. Because um, I think often if you get books of stuff, it's it's not necessarily appropriate. A lot of them are just lots and lots of pages without really the information that you're looking for. Mm. Well, Lucy doesn't say how old she is, but hopefully that's been of help, the resource resources you've given uh, Maisie Dent asks, what's been the best practice tips you've been given? I and she doesn't say whether well, that's Irish or... Uh, I just imagine it's flute practice tips. Yeah. I always like to have a structure to what I'm doing. I find it best if I write out a structure for what I'm doing because I'm pretty bad with uh, my attention span and making sure that I do stuff. Like, if I don't have a timetable and a... Uh, and a plan then I'll usually my mind will just wander and I'll start doing random stuff are you one for lists then you write lots of lists yeah yeah and do you keep to the list or do you not, write no. not really <laughs> um, I quite like the long short short long thing for practicing difficult passages if you're struggling with some you know quick bits making it dotted one way and then dotted the other so that you're practicing all of the the joins between the notes okay. quickly and then giving yourself a breather. Are you one that would recommend slowing it down to yeah. a quarter the speed? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, slowing it down, using a metronome, take stuff really slowly and then gradually bring it up. Um, as I said earlier, like sometimes you you know it's good to have a little break um, and have shorter practice sessions rather than one long kind of mammoth thing where you kind of lose your way a bit or you can just be going through the motions without really improving anything I'd, I'd rather do like two lots of half an hour than an hour straight through yeah, sometimes do you know, more people I'm speaking to now more musicians are saying that doing really long practice sessions is they find it counterproductive yeah I find it it gives me um, back trouble as well <laughs> <laughs> it's only I, a flute you're holding yeah yeah can you imagine, uh, imagine these poor trombone players or tuba players or? it's that thing of being static in oh, one yeah. position I, probably the best practice tip I've been given is take up yoga or yeah. some kind of exercise that has a lot of rotational movement because even things like if you're doing weightlifting or running and things like that it's all in one kind of direction and really that kind of rope, keeping that spine mobile gets really important so you you chunk your practice sessions yeah I mean normally nowadays I'm always practicing something that I have to play so a big part of my practice is memorizing a big part of it is working on improvising so a lot of the bands I play with are like jazz but more sort of fusion end of jazz so I'll be working out what you know what's good to play over over a chord progression or well this leads on to a question from Matthew Mudo Mudo M-O-U-D-O-T Mudo Mudot 
Uh, sorry, Matthew, but <laughs> Mundo, uh, who says, you said in the previous podcast that you practice, your practice was very much when you perform. Is that because you do a lot of live performing or because you are super confident? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely the first one. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm always playing a lot. And I would say I'm definitely not super confident. I think if I've practiced, then I can get to a point where I feel confident. But I always have a little bit of um, nerves for gigs. Well, you've always come over. You, you, you're one of the very few flute players, not only successful in their field, but you would never know that you're successful because if there, I'd imagine if there was a queue of people, you'd be standing at the back. Right? <laughs> right, a group oh, rather yeah. than at the front. Yeah, yeah, if I go to a gig, I like to stand at the, at the very back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've never really thought about being nervous that much, but I get more, more nervous about talking at a gig than I do about playing. That's not unusual, though, is it? <laughs> when you talk at a gig, mm-hmm. are you giving the narrative of the piece? Yeah, that's well. That's that's what I try to do. And if I haven't thought about it in advance, then inevitably <laughs> I just start <laughs> rambling. That's very sometimes different. I think it comes across as a um, entertaining stream of consciousness, and sometimes it's just like, <laughs> "What are you going on about?" <laughs> you can just throw one line out because <laughs> it's very different from flute concerts, isn't it? Where mm-hmm. You go from one piece straight into another piece. And have a programme. Yeah, yeah, there is very little narrative within. And I must admit, I've, in the past, I'm as guilty as anybody of turning up at a concert knowing that the Poulenc Sonata's on or mm-hmm. the Iber or something, and knowing the music, the dots, but being ignorant to the story that's being told. Yeah, I think people really, um, people always really like to hear something about it, even if it's something about the composer or something about the period it was written in. Or uh, I play with this Irish piper called Callum Stewart and he's just released an album, Tales from the North, and it's all tunes he's written related to his kind of hometown and sort of north of Scotland. And doing the gigs with him, and when he's introducing all the songs and each one's got... He's got really good stories for all of it. And it's just it makes it so much more engaging than just... I mean, they're great tunes and he's a great player. So that becomes a visual uh, as well as an auditory experience then, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, because people, people have something to kind of attach it to. Yeah, that's when music really comes alive, isn't it? Yeah. Well, thank you, Matthew. I can tell you he's not super confident. <laughs> In fact, he's quite a, a shy person, is Philippe. So I would take it that it's down to the amount of time he practices on gigs. Um, Phil Cooper, aged 61, and he did put that in brackets, uh, says, I'm an adult learner and I would like to try and play Irish music. Would you recommend that I listen to lots of Irish flute music first or should I just buy your book? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I have a vested interest in the second one. um, Oh, it started again. Uh, really I think like listening is the is the big thing I just discovered the other day that if you're watching something on YouTube you can slow it down which is brilliant for like if you want to the best way to learn Irish music is really learning it by ear and um, anything sheet music is is great and there's loads of that stuff online but if you can get someone to teach you tunes by ear then you'll always remember it 
if you read it off the page and then walk away from it, it it's just not going to be, it won't have sunk in. You know, it took me years of going from learning classically and being a really good sight reader to then having to memorize stuff and learn stuff by ear. It's a really, it's a much harder way to do it. I think once you've had that, um, once you've done it, the sight reading route, it's kind of quite hard to transition over. Whereas if you just start learning by ear, it's easier to kind of take it in. But then people who've learned by ear find it hard to transition to reading for music. So, <laughs> you know, both routes are... are uh, so, so going back on the YouTube one, when mm. you slow it down, does it stay in the same pitch? Yeah, because if you can slow down a simple... And there's lots of videos on YouTube, actually, of people teaching tunes slowly. If you can do it like that, then that's a really great... Because that's really going to help with the Irish music because of the amount of little bits and twiddles and twaddles and mordants and things that you use, isn't it? Yeah. Because your fingers are never... They're, all, they're never static. Yeah, they're always going for it. Um, and with those as well, like... it. In the book, I go through the different ornaments and I've written them in places that you can do them, but it's really not prescriptive. Like, if once you've learned how to do a roll on a G, you can put it in wherever you want and you don't have to put it in. So it's quite nice like that. You can you can decide when you're going to put those bits in and leave them out. Fabulous. So to answer Phil's question, listen to lots of Irish flute music online and buy Philip's, Philip's book. Yeah, I'm hoping that um, uh, I'm going to put a couple of videos up of some of the uh, stuff from the book, at least, so that you'd be able to get a, a sense of what's in there. And That'd be good to be able to visually match it to the page. would be, yeah. be very good. Do you get nervous or excited before a performance? Because as we all know, physiologically, it's very similar, isn't it, the feelings? Yeah. So it's a general quest, email question which pops up every now and then, which I ask lots of people. Yeah, I'd say... It is very much the same feeling. Usually it's excited and it's only nervous if I'm not really prepared for it or like if I'm not feeling very good, like I've, if I've got a cold and I've, but I've still got to play anyway. I've had that quite often when I had to go into the studio to record and I've been practising leading up to it, feeling great about it and playing the stuff, you know, all the stuff's kind of feeling really good under the fingers and then I get in the studio and, and that day I feel like got a cold and then it's just like, ah. Oh. <laughs> And the microphone doesn't lie. You just got to kind of, you know, just got to do your best and go with it. Yeah, it's the studio thing's weird. Cause I always find it sounds amazing in the studio, and then when you get home and listen to like the mix, it's like oh, it sounded better in the it sounded better <laughs> on the eighty grand speakers in that yeah. in that perfectly soundproofed recording studio. <laughs> so really, it's all down to preparation, really, isn't it? For yeah, for everybody. And another question to do with nerves is, have you ever experienced performance anxiety? And if so, what did you do to help yourself get over it? I have, I guess I often have the feeling like, what if people aren't enjoying it? Like that feeling like, are the people in the audience hating this? And quite often you'll see people in the audience looking absolutely furious or bored or like with their eyes shut and it's always those people who come up afterwards and say, that was amazing, it's the best thing I've ever heard. It's like, could you tell your face? <laughs> <laughs> and to try and kind of get over that, I've tried to focus on really listening to what the other people I'm playing with are doing. Yeah. Obviously, if, if I'm playing totally solo, then I'm having to, then I'm just thinking about what I'm doing and if I'm enjoying it. 
and trying to think that well that's really what matters and if you're enjoying what you're doing then then there's a much better chance of the audience enjoying it also thinking that if people have come to a concert they want to enjoy it yes they're not there hoping it's going to be terrible i mean you know maybe a few people but but if everyone was sat there smiling do you think do you think they'd be taking they'd be taking the mickey out of you (laughs) (laughs) well i hadn't but you know i didn't think that before (laughs) yeah i think um it is a it's a it's a tricky one i think you've got to really just think about what you're what you're playing and whether you're enjoying it and enjoy what the people that you're playing with are doing as well like i try to because the last thing you want to be doing when you're playing is thinking is everyone hating this <laughs> uh, well that shouldn't even come into your head <laughs> should it <laughs> but no you're exactly right it's if you're ultimately you've got to be happy when you walk away from the performance yeah i think it's very rarely that i've ever met anyone that says yeah i'm really happy with how i played mm-hmm. because we're we're always very self-critical aren't we yeah and that's how you get better isn't it i mean you have to have that mechanism in place to to improve when you're playing because when you're playing your long notes and you're thinking if you just think oh this sounds brilliant then you're never gonna <laughs> never thought that you know, <laughs> you're never gonna get any better are you um, um, what do you like to uh, like accepting compliments after a gig do you oh, get embarrassed yeah yeah pretty terrible <laughs> at it. i mean uh, you know it's always it's always nice to to get them but you also have to remember if you're like for me, I'd very rarely go up to someone after a gig and say, that was great, I really enjoyed it, because I'm really socially awkward, not very good at speaking to people. So there's loads of people who will have enjoyed it and won't come up and say, and say they have done. But, so I always, you know, really, really appreciate it when people do come and say stuff or, you know, if, if people have got questions and stuff, it's always really nice to... You're a classic example of an artist that comes alive on the stage and then goes into a little cocoon off it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right in front of you, Philippe, you have three flutes. You have uh, what looks like a traditional Irish flute. Yeah. You have a silver flute. And interestingly, you play in line, G mechanism, same as me. I'd always thought that it was, and it was purely kind of my own idea without you know, any kind of testing that um, it was better to have as little as possible stuff stuck on the tube. Mm -hmm. So I don't have an E mechanism. I don't have a C sharp trill. I don't have any of the extra stuff. It's literally just in line. It's a B foot because loads of stuff I play has that low B in it. And I just love that kind of rich sound of the low B. I mean, for me, I think the concert flute is a little bit high yeah, I can understand. Like, yeah. um, I really love the sound of those, you know, the flute d'amour and B-flat. Yes. It's just such a lovely tone to it. And, like, the alto flute is just, like, the, I feel like it's the perfect register for the flute. The concert flute's perfect in an orchestra because, you know, you're looking at filling up yes. the spectrum. Where the flute kind of sounds best for me maybe like a little higher than an alto so you've got a little bit more agility yeah and i would because that's the balance i would totally get get that the flute de more if it wasn't going to be a popular thing yeah you know we would put a lot of effort behind behind making them um i mean i've only ever seen one and tried one in you know yes i think i think i've seen a couple but ultimately you've 
you, you've got an alto as well there on the table. Yeah. So what I'd be interested for listeners to do is could you play the same piece on three different instruments? Yep. So that we can just hear, and then how you would feel mm-hmm. as a specialist in what you do when you're playing the same piece on each instrument and which one you would ultimately choose to perform that piece on. Okay. Do you want it in the same key or...? Uh, oh, crikey, that cle- <laughs> you're so clever you can do I mean, it on the gonna, same key. I'm going to play something slow, so... <laughs> <laughs> do it in whatever. I think for me and for the listeners, it's more about trying to hear the different tonalities between and the yeah. tone colours between the three instruments. Okay, so this is the um, the normal silver concert flute. What's the name of that piece? Uh, it's called The Midnight Accountant, which is quite appropriate for this time of year. Isn't it just? That's <laughs> what I'll Can be doing talk, yeah. on the 31st of January. I, you want to leave it to the, right to the very end, are you? Well, normally I do it the first week of February, but my accountant <laughs> gets really annoyed. Okay. So we're now we're on so to the... the Alto. Alto. So that's the same pitch, but let's let's have it nice and low. So it'll be nicer, won't it? feeling yeah to hear them both it's a little more kind of haunting down there isn't it i feel like my lung capacity hasn't quite got back to <laughs> full whack after having the cold oh, i don't know you're making <laughs> some gorgeous rich noises down the bottom um and then let's try to hear it on the wooden flute although a friend of mine said uh, i played him some rough mixes of some tunes i'd done and um so I'm, you know, I'm thinking about redoing it with wooden flute instead of the silver flute because i think it'd be a better character and stuff and he said um, it doesn't matter what flute you're playing; it's all in the fingers. It's all like it's, it ah. still sounds like you, whatever you're playing it on. Okay. 
Whoa, there is something... I like all three, but there's something quite special about that. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's hard to jump straight between them a little bit as well. So yeah. I feel like with each of them, I'm like, oh, I'm not quite, <laughs> not quite in the groove, you know. But, uh, so if you were going to perform that piece, mm-hmm. would you, which one would you ideally choose? I know you play Irish music predominantly on the silver flute, and that's the name of the book. And you play, yeah. and you actually sound quite—you um, have a wooden sound anyway, a woody mm-hmm. sound. So you manage to really integrate the silver flute very well with Irish music. What would you have chosen? I would find it really difficult to pick, and it would probably be more related to what else I was playing in the concert. Like I'd try and have a variety, so. Um, I'd you know play a couple of pieces on wooden flute. I might play that one on whistle, like a low whistle. Yeah. How do you transition between instruments? Do you find it quite quite easy? I'm finding it easier the more I do it, because you have really relaxed chops, really really relaxed embouchure. So yeah, quite a different embouchure for each of those. Um, and then occasionally I'll play. I have a set of Spanish bagpipes, gaita, <laughs> and it's really hard to play those. And then playing the flute because you're having to blow loads of air into them, and then after you've done that, your lips are just like jelly. So you're best going on the alto, are you? <laughs> yeah, it's just it's one of those things. It's like you you have to practice swapping between them and, and finding that embouchure again because it is different for for all of them. Like a lot of people, they'll get a wooden flute and they'll think that they're that it's not a good flute and they're not getting on with it. And actually, it's just it is a very different embouchure to the to the silver flute, and it takes a while to to get to get into that. And the tuning is is different as well. You have to make little adjustments with a wooden flute, with most wooden flutes, to make sure that you're in tune all the time more than you would with a with a silver flute. Yeah, this traditional Irish flute you have literally has a hole in the end of the head joint, whereas the on the alto flute and your concert flute you have a lip plate that actually encourages the air in oh, yeah. because yeah, yeah. the way it's cut. You have to be very specific in your airstream management. Yeah, yeah, I never thought about that. <laughs> well, that was beautiful. Yeah, why and don't they just have a, a? It would look really weird, wouldn't it? A, a metal flute with just a hole in it. <laughs> I don't. Think I guess it's because it's got a thick wall. Yeah. As well, isn't it? So that's like the the blowing edge is is still far away from the. Um, oh, you're going the down the technical now. <laughs> we have people for that. <laughs> Philippe, in 2019, I'm going to pose to everybody who appears on the TF Extra pods, and you're the first one this year. Oh, is it really 2019? <laughs> yeah, have you written 2018 down here this year? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so have I. Yeah. Um, the following improbable questions, okay. the answers of which are a personalised amalgam of trivial information of no use to anybody, but may be of interest to some. <laughs> right, here we go. Now, bearing in mind it's me saying this, they're yeah. stupid questions anyway. If you could take only the following onto a desert island or a trip to Mars, okay. bearing in mind you wouldn't come back from Mars, but you may be rescued from the island, uh, what would you choose out of these? One flute recording. Okay, um, if I could only take one flute recording, it would be uh, Michael McGoldrick, Morning Rory. His first solo album is a wooden flute player from Manchester. That's uh, probably the the album that 
set me on the, the path of playing Irish music. Slow, quick, mix? Yeah, it's a bit of everything, yeah. He plays wooden flute and Irish pipes on it. I'd be quite depressing, though, to sit and listening to that, knowing that you'd never get back from Mars or be rescued, wouldn't it? I've got to look thoughts. on the bright side. I mean, both places would probably be warm, right? <laughs> <laughs> I say it as it's kind of real tepid rain today. Yeah. <laughs> yes, looking out of your windows, yes, it's very overcast and wet. This is very different to the uh, NFA in Orlando a few months ago. <laughs> And it'd be very different to where the podcast is coming from next week yeah. in California. Right, number two, question number two. Which one non-flute recording would you take? Ooh, um, oh, that's a tricky one. Uh, probably... I'm putting you on the spot here. You haven't seen yeah, I'm trying to think of something that doesn't have flute in it. Um, you don't look like a Black Sabbath person to me. Probably a Paca de Luthia. Yeah. One of his albums. Um, a book. A book that I'm going to have to read more than once, right? Yeah, so it probably needs to be a big, long one. I've got pretty bad at, at, at reading these yeah. days. I'm always just, like, face buried in the phone, square eyes from looking at Instagram for too long. <laughs> <laughs> so we put your own book down, because you could look at rescribing. Re- 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 okay, how about... How about um, just the um, just a, a nice daily exercise book, quite like that Andre McCarr one. Okay, you can have that one. Because am I going to have my flute with me? Well, that'd be the one luxury item. Okay, we'll come on no, to. We'll get to that. That'd be pretty rubbish if you didn't take it, wouldn't it? <laughs> right, favourite food to take? Um, I really like Lebanese food. Mm-hmm. All that kind of hummus and pita and that kind of that kind of stuff. So, so is there to... someone cooking it for me? Yeah, that's going to be the problem, isn't it? Is there some... I, do know, I didn't even think about that when I set the questions. <laughs> I mean, I'm imagining on me on this desert island with a, you know, a Lebanese chef. <laughs> I think I'll have to re- re- redraw them up, say one item. Listening to Irish food. music. Yeah. <laughs> favourite drink? Uh, coffee. Yeah. Not Guinness. Uh, I mean, you know, I do like a Guinness, but um, if if I could only have one thing, yeah. it would it would be it would be coffee. You and I together, and your one luxury item has to be. Well, I mean, I'd say the Nespresso machine, unless that's covered by the. <laughs> That'd be covered by the coffee. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, well, I'll take the flute then. Yeah, I'd, it'd be hard to decide which one. I'd probably take the silver one because um, the wooden one wouldn't probably like the uh, the heat. <laughs> Fair point, fair point. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, you mentioned in the last podcast interview that you started down the classical route. Do you still play or perform classical music? Um, I still play it when I'm practising. Um, I do the odd orchestra gigs here and there. I just did that um, yeah. Prince thing. Um, do I still perform? It's a long time since I've performed any of them, I guess. But I find the best way to stay on top of my embouchure for any of the fleets actually is, is doing that kind of classical repertoire you know so you go back to the for, for purely purely uh practice purposes the classical old classical exercise books that you used to do yeah just keep it keeps everything keeps the machine oiled you know <laughs> <laughs> still need to do that now would it be possible to take one of the standard flute repertoire pieces and mash it up with a traditional irish flute spin yeah, I always worry about it sounding cheesy, but 
I certainly have done it in the past. I quite often, if if I'm doing like a, a flute quartet, like flute, violin, viola, cello stuff, yeah. if I'm bored, I quite like to just play it all in the Irish style. The Mozart, you know, works pretty well. Which one? The dum dum da dum dum, or the uh, you know the, the, the sort of D major flute oh, yes. one. Because I think that would be quite interesting. Yeah, the um, uh, Irish band um, De Danon did a load of classical pieces in an Irish style. Like in the seventies, I think. Like, um, and that caught on, did it? Yeah, people people loved it. Yeah. Um, so you're just it's nervous about fun, doing it. it. You're, you're <laughs> nervous about upsetting flute players. <laughs> well, I was thinking the other day about that that the, the uh, poulon could be quite nice Irish up. So, what have you got coming up, Philip? Both here in the UK and also overseas. Um, I had a pretty busy year last year. This year's looking a bit sparse at the minute, um, but stuff normally comes in. Um, closer to the to the summer, but I'm working on a couple of albums with people. Um, working on a new solo album, a new album with Cross Harbour. That's an Irish band I play with. Um, I've got a new trio with um, a singer and a fiddle player, Rosie Hodgson and Rowan Piggott. We've got a few festivals this summer. I've got a few gigs with Callum Stewart, the Piper. I mean, I'm saying it looks quite empty, but it is actually quite a lot of stuff going on. I guess um, we're moving house in a couple of weeks, so my mind is is completely filled with trying to work that out um, trying to find somewhere where I can practice without annoying the neighbours <laughs> you're moving from beautiful <laughs> Sussex up to London 10 yeah I just want to be closer for, for gigs and stuff I, it's that dr- get driving home after a gig and getting home at 2 o'clock in the morning yeah. all that. I mean I do love being in the countryside and I've got family down in, on the south coast so it's it's nice to be sort of close to them but be nice to get a tube or just an overground after a gig wouldn't it yeah yeah i've always found when i'm in london i get a lot more work anyway it's like a you've got to be in in the scene you know that's the hub isn't it and let's go back to how we started that wonderful book of yours irish music on the silver flute can you remind our wonderful listeners how they can purchase this um, you can get it from my website, which is just philippebarnes.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram and uh, Facebook as well, just Philippe Barnes. Um, you can get it from the London flute shops. All Flutes Plus have it. Um, just Flutes have it. Um, if you're in America, Flute World has it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, because I had someone message me from Australia and say, because it says on the web, my website, free postage. <laughs> and then, <laughs> And they said, "Are you are you sure? Are you sure it's free because it's expensive to send stuff to Australia?" Um, and I pointed them to Flute World, but I need to work out a better plan for that. <laughs> it is an excellent book, and as we said after last time, it actually when I get back to playing, once I've had my mm-hmm. little sabbatical, uh, it will certainly be an area because it's very easy to understand, and you know, take things and you describe what you have to do when you do your. YouTube video mm-hmm. of one of the exercises and one of the corresponding pieces because I'm very much a visual as well as a auditory person I'll be able to hopefully match it up so I'd recommend people buy the book yeah um, it's a very easy entrance into what most people perceive as being complicated yeah I think with a with a couple of a couple of the techniques from the book you can make a big difference to um making your irish music sound you know more enjoyable to play yeah i have to get on with that youtube thing when i <laughs> yeah <laughs> look what's so lovely is you're not just a commercial monster you're a musician 
<laughs> well, as, when, you know, when, when we've moved. <laughs> and to play us out this week on the album called Philippe Barnes and Tom Phelan, can you choose us a track to play uh, us out? Because well, people remember love what we the one last time. The one that was written for your father? Uh, how about Jiggeria? That's quite exciting. Yeah, track two is Jiggeria, which is a sort of amalgamation of a flamenco bulleria and a Irish jig. And it's got some nice little whistle bit in the middle. And uh, it's quite kind of jazzy. Right, for all our listeners, Philippe is very approachable. And feel free to contact him via all the social media pages, via his website. And if you've got any questions on his book or his CDs, then ask away. Philippe, thank you again for inviting me down to your lovely home. Your Pleasure. boiler, your boiler is... It's calmed down there, it's hasn't it? It's calmed down. Um, I will have a giggle when I, when I listen to this <laughs> back. And on behalf of all the team, may I wish you a very successful 2019. And look Thanks forward to much. speaking to you again soon. Splendid. Thanks, JP. Well, what a lovely hour that was I spent with Philippe at his home last week. And believe me when I tell you that he really is a self-effacing, modest and really quite a shy chap. Before we play out with the track chosen from Philippe, I'd like to thank you for listening this week to Talking Flutes Extra Podcasts. If you have any questions for me or Claire Southworth, then you can either email them to flutepodcasts at gmail.com or you can message me on Instagram, which is at tjflutes, Twitter, at flute, or on Facebook, at Trevor James Flutes. And before I forget, and Claire would kill me if I did, please also take the time to follow our new Talking Flutes Facebook page. Claire is away making her next podcast, so I'll be back with another TF Extra pod next week. May your week ahead be musically fulfilling, and thank you once again for listening. Goodbye. Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.